Yeah. Mm-hmm.
two weeks ago, we started a summer sermon series. I encouraged you to write it out, print it out, the whole psalm, and read it every day. And if you haven't done that yet, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, it will make a difference in your life as we unpack it together. Because we're also encouraging, if you've never done it before, to memorize. And if you'll read it every day, and we're going to read it again this morning. I made a commitment to you. We're going to read it every time we study it out loud together. It's going to get in your heart, in your mind, and hopefully make a tremendous difference uh, in your life. So Psalm 23 this morning, looking at verse 2. A news story came out last Sunday uh, that was really quite pitiful. Uh, it seems a man in Virginia... Uh, bought a luxury sports car. He spent $300,000 on this luxury sports car. He purchased it. Now, this story came out last Sunday. He purchased it on Friday, and he totaled it on Saturday. <laughs> now, think about that. The Fairfax County Police Department uh, said the man was driving a McLaurin 720S. He crashed into a tree, and he did it because he was speeding now, thankfully, the man only suffered non-life-threatening injuries, but I saw a picture of the car, and I didn't show it because it was such a blurry picture uh, from the observer that had taken the picture. But long story short, can you imagine that? Bought the car on Friday, totaled it on Saturday. Imagine destroying something so valuable by being so reckless, by speeding. But you want to hear something even more tragic than that? I mean, think about that, $300,000 down the drain. So many people are destroying something much more valuable than that. They're destroying their health. Uh, they're speeding through life at such a pace. They're loaded down with such stress. They're not taking time for routine maintenance. There are very few, if any, rest stops. It's just pedal to the metal, living all the time, all out, full speed, recklessly going through life. And sooner or later, if you're living like that, you're going to crash. God did not design us to function 24-7. God did not design us to be able to endure unending stress and loads of stress every day. There must be rest. There must be refreshment. There must be a reset. But you know, they got me thinking about the question, why do we do that to ourselves? Why do we at times, and maybe lots in here would say you've done that, maybe you're doing it right now, why do we do this to ourselves? Do we go all out, all the time, so hard, so recklessly? Why do we burn the candle at both ends? Um, why do we keep pushing harder and harder until we literally push ourselves down? Well, um, I'm sure several answers could be given, but I thought about at least two. I think for some people, the... Uh, answer is they're looking for significance or meaning or purpose in life. And if you don't find your meaning and your significance and purpose in Jesus Christ, you're going to seek to find it someplace else. And so people pursue with abandon their career or um, some position or money or power or whatever it is, looking for purpose, looking for significance, looking for meaning in life, and they just keep pushing. And maybe they get to the end of one path, they don't find it there, they try another path, and they just constantly are going looking for these things that elude them because they're only found in Jesus Christ. And then there are those, I think, who live this way because the issue is control. They want to control everything. You know, they kind of go by the motto, maybe not saying it out loud, but they go by this motto, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. 
And so they decide that they're going to live pedal to the metal all the time, just pushing, pushing, pushing. Uh, but as followers of Jesus Christ, we ought to know better, beloved. We know that He is to be in control of our lives. He is the shepherd. Our job is to follow. We know that significance and meaning and purpose are only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we find ourselves about to crash into a tree, we need to slam on the brakes, we need to pull over, and we need to get out the map and read it. And the map I'm presenting to you this summer is Psalm 23. And I'm encouraging you to read it every day and to really, really contemplate what it teaches. Now, I told you we're going to read it out loud, and I want to do that today with you. And so we're going to read it out loud together. The words are on the screen uh, if you need them. And uh, if you're practicing your memory, just don't look at the screen. All right? And uh, we'll, we'll read it out loud together, all six verses. Then we're going to come back and focus on verse two. Y'all ready to read? Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, speak to our hearts now, I pray. Have your will and way in this place for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I told you we're focusing on verse 2 today where it says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Uh, just a serene picture. Can you see it in your mind's eye? You have this beautiful, lush, green grass. There's a stream in the background and the sheep are there lying peacefully. Um, let me just ask you, uh, beloved, is that a picture of your life? <laughs> now, I don't mean all the time, because we know there are times of labor and, and times of industry, and there are times we must be actively engaged in what God has called us to, and, and that's right and that's good. And the Bible says, you know, whatsoever thy hand finds to do, do it with all your might, and do it as unto the Lord. And we understand that, but I'm just asking, is your life ever that way? Is your life ever that way? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Now you remember the last time we, if you were here for our opening message that we talked a lot about those first five words. And I taught you how to meditate on those first five words by using your left hand, you remember? And each finger represented one of those words. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And I told you that's the key to the whole psalm. And if those first five words are true about you, then the next four words are also true. I shall not want. And you remember I told you that everything else in the psalm flows out of those first five words. The Lord is my shepherd. And so the, the basic thing that verse 1 is saying, what? We have what we need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. And I told you as well that we're going to begin seeing some of those needs that are met by our shepherd as we study through. And as we come to verse 2, we find the shepherd is meeting some of our needs. 
And in verse 2, beloved, he's meeting our physical needs. We see our physical needs being supplied. Because you think about a sheep, you think about any creature for that matter, and a sheep, they need food and they need water. And here we have in this very uh, second verse here, we have green pastures and we have still waters. Now it's interesting though when you read verse 2, did you notice it doesn't say that they were grazing in the green pastures and they were drinking from the still water. That's not what it says at all. It says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. The picture here is not of them actively eating and drinking. It's a picture of satisfaction. They've already eaten to their full. They've already drank to their satisfaction. They're now lying down, resting peacefully here because they are satisfied. In fact, there's more to this picture in verse 2 than you might realize. Now, I've never been a shepherd in the sense of actual having sheep, but I have studied what the shepherds tell us about sheep. And I'm learning a lot about sheep. And it's interesting. Don't you find it interesting that God compares us to sheep? And we've already understood, and just so you know, you know sheep are not the brightest animals. And sheep are very needy, and sheep are... Defenseless, really, and, and sheep have a lot of needs. And I really believe that maybe one of the reasons God created sheep in the first place is so then He could teach us about ourselves. And He could teach us what we're like. And He could say to us things like, I am the good shepherd. I give my life for the sheep. And I'm the great shepherd. We know He's coming back for His sheep. And we know that Jesus is our shepherd. And, and so we learn some things about the shepherd. But uh, what I learned from those that handle sheep as I learned this, it's not easy to make a sheep lie down. You see, the picture here where it says, He maketh me to lie down, it's not the idea of the sheep jumping on the, uh, the shepherd jumping on the back of the sheep and beating it down in submission. We don't have sheep wrestling here where the shepherd grabs the sheep and throws it down or pushes it down. I'm sure some of you probably did cow tipping at some point in your life. It's not the idea of pushing them over. It's the idea of creating the ideal circumstances because of the wonderful care of the shepherd that there the sheep are and they're satisfied. And in their satisfaction, they lie down. And they're there in the green pasture. And they're there by the still water. And the shepherds tell me that there are four conditions that must be met must be dealt with in order to get a sheep to lie down. And the interesting thing is when you look at that in their life, and then you think about our life, you say, boy, we really are like sheep. There are four things that have to be taken care of. There are four issues that have to be dealt with. And so as I go through these four, think about your life and see if any of these four things are causing you to not rest in your shepherd. The first thing that's got to be dealt with when it comes to sheep lying down is fear. Fear. Now this makes perfect sense, doesn't it? If a wolf or a dog or another predator is nearby, how in the world can a sheep just lie there? Because there's fear. If there's perceived danger, there is no rest. And what do we often find in our lives? We find the very same thing. We find fear. But beloved, these things ought not to be. Now I'm speaking right now to followers of the Lord Jesus. 
If you're not a child of God, if you're not saved, if you're not a true Christian, you ought to be filled with fear. In fact, I'm just going to be honest with you, and I don't mean to be unkind, but I'm just going to be honest with you, you ought to be scared to death. If you're here today without Jesus Christ and you think about the fact that you're one heartbeat away from hell, it ought to scare you to death to realize that you're without Christ, without hope in this present world and in the world to come. That you're headed to a horrible place called hell. Beloved, you don't have to live there. You don't have to stay there. This very moment, you can turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. And I encourage you to do so. To repent of your sin and place your faith in Christ today. Now for those of us who are believers, who are Christians, we ought not to be living our lives filled with fear. Now how much of a problem is fear in our world? Dr. David Jeremiah wrote a a wonderful book uh, on fear. He called it, What Are You Afraid Of? What Are You Afraid Of? It's actually a pretty thick book. Listen to what he wrote in that book. He says, when I ask what are you afraid of, I'm asking... What is it that immobilizes you? What is it that immobilizes you? What is stealing your joy and destroying your hope? What is robbing you of sleep night after night? What keeps you from living by faith and being a risk taker? What keeps you from giving your life wholly to a loving God who wants nothing but the best for you? He says, I think I know the answers to these questions, at least in part, because I've lived shoulder to shoulder with a lot of mature Christians my entire life. And I've been a pastor to thousands for nearly five decades. He writes, I've discovered that everybody, including me, is afraid of something. And our challenge is to discover and analyze our fears and find a godly, that is a biblical response to them. So the question is, if everybody's afraid of something, what is it that you're afraid of, dear Christian? I mean, let's just drag it out into the open this morning. Let's deal with it. To kind of prime the pump to get you thinking, I'll just tell you some of the things he covers in the book. There are those who struggle with the fear of natural calamity. Fires and floods and tornadoes and the like. There are those who fear serious illness. They're afraid of what a doctor might tell them at some point in their life. They're afraid of financial collapse. They're going to run out of money. The fear of failure is a real fear for many people. The fear of being alone. The fear of rejection. The fear of sudden trouble. The fear of mental breakdown. And then a lot of people struggle even with the fear of death. Now I want to be sensitive, beloved. I wouldn't do anything to belittle your fear. I wouldn't do anything to make light of your fear. But can I just suggest that one of the major causes of the fear that you face And the fear that I face is the fact that we forget about our shepherd. We don't have to fear. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Think about Psalm 23. I mean, it deals all throughout life. I told you that a lot of people think, well, Psalm 23 is for the funeral. It's great for a funeral, but it's for every day. It's for this life. It's for the time of death. It even covers after, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, all the time I'm living right now, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How can we fear? You know, I got to thinking, 
as I was preparing for today, I thought about an old song that we used to sing. And I mentioned it to Danielle, and we dug it out. And I think it goes so well with this point right here. Talking about the fear that we have in our lives. And how can we fear when we have the Lord Jesus as our shepherd? Let me just share a little bit of this song with you. And then we'll cover the other three points, okay? When shadows fall and the night covers all, there are things that my eyes cannot see. I'll never fear, for the Savior is near, my Lord abides with me. How can I fear, Jesus is near, He ever watches over me.
We don't have to live in fear. We have a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't have to live in fear. The shepherd is nearby. Jesus is with me. So fear equals no rest. But we have a shepherd to deal with our fears. Secondly, the sheep have a hard time lying down if there is conflict. In other words, if there's friction between the sheep. I know that's kind of a weird thing to even say. We don't really picture sheep being that aggressive, do we? But one man that I read who was a pastor who had been a shepherd uh, in his life, he called them bully boy sheep. You know any bully boy people? Any bully boy sheep in your life? They like to cause friction. Talking about relationship problems. Are relationship problems robbing you of rest in your life? Have you taken those issues to the shepherd? Have you talked to the shepherd about them? You know, when it comes to relationship issues, whether it's family or work or extended or whatever, we begin with ourselves and we look at ourselves and we look at uh, what part we play, if, if any, of the problem. And what do I need to fix? What do I need to change? What do I need to correct? I begin with myself and I start there. And it's interesting, jot this reference down, Romans 12, 18. It'll help you tremendously in your relationships. Romans 12, 18. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That's interesting, isn't it? Because that verse tells us there's sometimes that the other person will not make things right. They will not restore the relationship. If it is possible, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Some people like to live in turmoil. Some people like to live in uh, drama, it seems. And they love to be there. How do you deal with those situations? Well, listen, sometimes all you can do is this. You make things right. You get your heart right. You try your best to make things right. You apologize. Do all that you can do to restore the relationship, to rectify the conflict. And then if they will not, then you walk away and leave the situation with the Lord. Leave the door open. Leave with a good attitude. Leave loving that person. But there are times where there are bully boy sheep who will not. (laughs) They will not make things right. And so you go to the shepherd and you deal with that conflict. Third, flies. Flies. Sheep who are bothered by flies and parasites and those sorts of things uh, understand the shepherd would keep a cruise of oil with them and they would, when the, the sheep would get to a certain point, they would take that uh, oil and they would rub it in the sheep's ears and rub it in the sheep's nose to protect it. We understand about flies. I can't stand a fly. Can you? The fly ever get in your vehicle or in your house and you're there trying to do whatever it is you're doing and that fly just around you. And you just can't wait to kill. You didn't think you had murder in your heart till a fly get in your house, did you? And you just can't wait to kill that thing. You say, well, well, I understand flies, but, I mean, what does that have to do with us? I mean, how does that relate? I mean, we just get a fly swatter or a bug zapper or one of those sticky things and hang it up and take care of the flies. Well, listen, we deal with a lot of flies in our life. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, not the ones with the little wings that annoy us that are dead in a matter of short time. I'm talking about the annoying things in life, the things that pester you. I like what one author said. He said, like the sheep, 
we can also become frustrated by the small irritations of our daily lives. The obnoxious buzz of an alarm clock is enough to start our day off on the wrong foot. Struggles with a computer. Anybody want to witness or testify? An extra long wait in line for our morning coffee. The snarl of a daily commute. Trying to navigate an automated phone system. Hello and thank you for calling. We're going to rob you of 20 minutes of your life right now. All these modern day conveniences that were designed to make our lives better and simpler and easier and faster many times can create a continual state of aggravation which leaves us feeling frustrated and restless. And so we have these annoying things that come in our lives and we can't avoid them many times. We have to deal with them. What do we do with them? These flies that irritate and annoy, we take them to the shepherd. We talk to the shepherd about them. We find our comfort, our help from the shepherd, just like the sheep would go to the shepherd, or rather the shepherd would come to the sheep and put the oil in the ear and the oil in the nose. We have to go to our shepherd and take these annoying things to him and just lay it out in front of him and say, Lord, I'm struggling with this. And he'll use those things in your life. So we said so far there are three things that must be taken care of before the sheep will lie down. Fear. Conflict, flies. Then the fourth one, and this is true of sheep, it's true of us. Those of you who have small children, you can understand this hunger. Hunger. Hard to get the sheep to lie down if they're hungry. In fact, they tell me, the shepherds tell me, that if a sheep is hungry, it won't lie down. Now, the sheep here in verse 2 are satisfied. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And so the question is, how does this apply to us today? If our shepherd is leading us into green pastures and leading us beside still waters, the the natural question for all of us is this. What are they and where are they? How do we find these green pastures? How do we find these stilled waters? I like what David Roper said. He said, what is the reality behind these metaphors? The real thing is God himself. He is our true pasture. He is our pool of quiet water. He's our true nourishment, our living water. If we don't take Him in, we will all starve. He reminds us there's a hunger in the human heart that nothing but God can satisfy. There's a thirst which nothing but God can quench. And if we are going to have rest in our lives, we've got to feast on our shepherd. Jot these references down. I'll read them, but listen to... Talk about feasting on the shepherd. Now, here's where the metaphor kind of breaks down. You don't want to see out the pasture sheep eating the shepherd. That's a horrible thing. Horrible picture. But it's the picture of us. We're to feast on our shepherd. Psalm 34, 8 through 10. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints. There's no want to those who fear Him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord will not or shall not lack any good thing. How about John 6.35? Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. John 4.13-14 Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And then that picture of the deer in Psalm 42, 1 and 2. As the deer pants for the water brooks, 
So pants my soul for You, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? We're to feast upon our shepherd. We're to feast upon the Lord. You say, well, how in the world does that happen? What does that mean that we're to feast upon the Lord? Well, let me ask you something. When you think about the Lord, I like what Tozier said. He said, God is a person and as such can be cultivated as any person can. Think about your friends for a moment. How did you get to know your friends? Well, you met them, right? And then you began to spend time with them. And as you began to spend time with them, you get to know them better, they get to know you better, and this friendship uh, will flourish and will blossom and be a beautiful thing. So let's get real deep theologically here. Y'all ready for this? We're going to get real deep theologically. How do, you, how do you feast upon the shepherd? How do you enjoy the wonderful rest that he provides? How do you, how do, you do this? Well, real simple. We're going to get real deep for a moment. First of all, spend time with him. <laughs> spend time with him. At some point in your life, you need a quiet time and a quiet place. Maybe a very brief time. You might have to hunt it out, search it out. You might have to hide in the bathroom at your house. I don't know. Hide in the closet. But get alone with the Lord. Secondly, you need to listen to Him. The Word of God is the voice of God. Think about it. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. And we need to listen to Him. Through personal study, you're listening right now to the Word of God, Sunday school, and when you listen to Him, you obey Him. And then thirdly, here's real deep, talk to Him. Talk to Him. That's prayer. Through the Word He speaks to us, through prayer we speak to Him. And just like any relationship that you have in your life, that takes T-I-M-E, it takes time. Which brings us full circle. Because we started out talking about the need for rest. And now, preacher, you're saying that I need to carve out time in my busy schedule to get alone in a quiet place for a quiet time. I need to spend time in the Word of God. I need to spend time praying. And so, in other words, the Lord's just another item on my to-do list. Beloved, no. The Lord is not another item on your to-do list. He's the sum total of our very life. He's the reason we exist. And spending time in the presence of the shepherd should be the greatest joy we can know. And when we're not rejoicing in the shepherd, we're not spending time with him, there's something wrong, there's something askew, and it may be one of the reasons you're so tired because you're not getting the refreshment that you need from feasting upon the Lord. Because we need rest. And beloved, it can only be found in Christ. We need meaning and purpose and significance. It's only found in Jesus Christ. We can't control everything. He's in absolute control of everything. We need Him to help us. We need Him to, to refresh us. We need Him to bring true rest into our lives. We need rest. We need it emotionally. We need it physically. We need it spiritually. We often go awry and we forget that Jesus is our shepherd. And we are His sheep. And it's not up to us to make our own way and figure it all out. Because that's where we get in trouble, don't we? Got to figure it all out! No. We don't figure it out. We follow. Because He's the shepherd. We follow. And we also forget that He is the good shepherd. He's not a hireling. He's the good shepherd. We say we believe that, but then we often live like a rewrite of Psalm 23 I ran across this past week, and we'll close with this. Someone has rewritten Psalm 23. And sad to say, I think it's the version many of us live by. 
the Lord is my slave driver, I must never be satisfied. He compels me to try harder. He makes me labor more furiously. He leads me into noisy activity. He implores me to ignore the emptiness within and just keep going. He prods me in the paths of perfectionism for His reputation's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of burnout, I fear a breakdown, but no one can see the real me. Your expectations and your people, they goad me on. You prepare a list of expectations before me in the presence of my peers. You provoke me on and on. My cup seems more parched than ever. Surely serenity and rest will elude me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the land of the Herod forever. Beloved, if that's really what you think about our shepherd, then you don't know the shepherd as you should. Because he's the good shepherd. He doesn't prod us along and beat us down. He's the one that leads us into the green pastures. And allows us to lie down next to the still waters. And some of you need that in your life right now. And so I invite you this morning to come to Jesus and find rest and peace as you follow the shepherd. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the beautiful picture you paint for us with this shepherd and sheep. Thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. Father, I pray for those today that are beat down and burdened and weary and barely dragging by, that they might find a refreshment in you that they've not known for a very long time. That they would get alone and get quiet and allow you to minister to their lives, to deal with the fear and the conflict and the petty annoyances and the hunger that's in their life. They would feast upon you and find the rest that they need. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning, the altar is open. You need to be saved today. We'd love to help you with that. You want to just come and pray. You'd like us to pray with you. We'd love to do that. Number 62, all the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercy who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, all we needed. Divinest comfort, here by faith in Him to dwell. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. The altar is open. You come. Let's stand and sing. 62. Thank you.